saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him, and Levi got up, left everything and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, who belonged to their sect, complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. We want to be able to open up today a little different. We want to be able to pray and to step into this moment. So joining in with church tradition, we want to say, come Holy Spirit, come. As we try to step into this time where we hold space at Levi's table, where we imagine what it is to join Jesus as a guest, to where we sit in space we do not control, in order to imagine a repentance that doesn't look the way we thought it would. It draws us towards people, not away, and allows us to ask the question, what could this table mean, and how could we embody Christ here today? Amen. So, a few weeks back, as we stepped into this series called Setting the Table, uh, a quote from David Fitch kind of came up in the, the conversation part of the message that we did. And the quote was this, we live in a world that hungers for Eucharist, the sweet fellowship people experience in the presence of Christ. There are countless places where people gather to seek Eucharist, and yet it, remain, yet it remains unfulfilled. We must seek out these places and go as guests. And this, this, this quote, I think, is a great way for us to lean into this, this, this message that we're coming with today, this conversation that we're having today. And so, Glenn, man, why, why don't you just um, give us a little bit of an introduction into David Fitch's half circle idea and where we're going today? With Dave, David Fitch's movements through, we moved from the close circle that we get to have committed believers that all share space, that have some shared assumptions, some shared moments, to the dotted circle, to where we're moving into space that we don't always control, we don't always agree, but we have some familiarity, to the half, to where we're flowing a little bit farther out, to spaces we don't control, but we enter in through invitation, to where we are invited into the other space which is why as we sit into Luke 5 and we get to see Jesus respond to the invitation of Levi, which is a reciprocal response from Jesus saying, follow me, which was an invitation into the synagogue or the temple. It was an invitation to walk with, to be with Jesus. And Levi then said, then come into my space. And that is where we get to see Jesus, not just accepting, but honoring, not just honoring, but publicly recognizing Levi as friend. And this is the, the space we're stepping into, where we get to go out, expand, and accept the hospitality of the people outside of us. Yeah, so let's jump into the first question. When Jesus accepts Levi's invitation to the table, a mutual reconciliation takes place. How does being present and holding space with others help move us towards repentance and reconciliation? Well, I'm actually curious, when you say that there's a mutual um, reconciliation here. What movements are you seeing? Because most of the time when we step into the Gospels, um, we generally think of people being reconciled to Christ and to Jesus' people, not mutual to where Jesus is being reconciled towards humanity. Hmm. Well, I think 
like there's this concept that and I can't remember where I where I pulled it from exactly, but it's something that I've always understood the way that uh, conversion in a sense works, right? Like anytime that we step into a conversation, we have to be open to the possibility of mutual conversion. There's and 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 the mutual conversion isn't like, man, I accept somebody else's religion or something like that. But like, what are the changes that are taking place in me and in that other person in light of the interaction that is taking place? And so in this story you have a, a, a marked change that even the Pharisees notice. It's like, wow, Jesus is hanging out with these people, right? And so there's 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 a conversion in a sense um, to another way of being that we see take place, at least for Jesus's disciples that he's leading them into. And also for Levi, where he's, he's becoming one of Jesus's disciples at this table together. When terms start being brought in, like sinner, which is one that we have a pretty defined um, world around, because remember, Words bring in worlds by which we define the things we experience. That's pretty defined for us. But in Luke, this is the first time it's brought in about Jesus. You have just before this where it happens with Peter self-identifying. But in this one, everyone else looks and says, why are you eating? And it says that they're grumbling and they're complaining. So it really shows that Jesus was willing to be affected in such a way that he would gamble his reputation. He would actually go into places that this is my favorite part about Jesus in Luke. He goes into places to where the comfortable are actually challenged because the comfortable, the Pharisees and the scribes who expected Jesus to come for them were fine as long as the tax collectors and sinners are kept in their place. But as soon as Jesus actually is affected by the imitation of Matthew to come into the party that Matthew throws and says, I will just be seen publicly. And in this time that actually showed solidarity, that showed recognition, that showed that you honored the person in front of you uh, and be at your table to where you're setting the rules. It's your friends, it's your boundaries. Hospitality is defined by the household you're in. And so Jesus comes in that way to be affected, have his reputation affected and his potential to speak to those in power affected by who he is willing to associate with. Like to me, that um, actually brings a lot of just the way I was trained to be, to hold scripture and to be Christian, uh, brings a lot of it under review, I would say, it makes it suspect. Because I always told, actually, to honor Jesus, I must never be like Jesus. Because to honor Jesus, I must have the best reputation. What does that look like? Not doing what Jesus did because he hung around with the wrong kind of people that ruined your reputation. Yeah. That's what changes when we let go of controlling a situation and enter into reciprocal relationships. So, so Glenn, man, actually, as we ask that question, man, I got, I got, I got a, a question that I want to kind of, I want to sneak in there and get your thoughts on before we kind of fully dive into that question. What's the difference between reciprocal relationships and transactional relationships? So, when talking about what kind of relationships we hold, it transactional gives you power over something to demand so transactional oddly enough um in some marriage counseling books that i've read there was one that gave the weirdest advice it said start trading um romantic favor in order to train your husband and it kind of blew my mind because transactional says well if me as the husband did something good i should be rewarded with something romantic to help train me um and that becomes currency and trade. And you actually get power over because when I do something, I now should expect from. Where reciprocal, just like when we're talking about marriage, it flows out of the response to the other. 
So when you're invited into the person's life, you invite them into your life and it creates this ebb and flow that you don't get to demand, but you should be aware of the experience. If it's always you inviting that person into your life, you're never being invited into theirs, it's, it's becoming one-sided and transactional. If it's, I invited you, therefore you owe me. If it's creating this sense of indebtedness, then again, we're getting power over. And those are the kind of things that we're trying to look at here is when we let go of the control of outcome to be able to say, what does it look like to exist in that ebb and flow to where sometimes I'll give a little more, sometimes you will, when we have a bit of this a responsive nature to the other person in the relationship. Yeah, no, I think that's good. And the reason I, I wanted to ask that question was I think that that, that answer, it, it answers that, like answering that second question, question answers the first part of this question, like what changes? Because the controlling, controlling the situation means that we're usually making that situation transactional, that relationship transactional. It's like, I invited you to this thing, so you will have to invite me to this thing, right? And so it's tit for tat versus um, reciprocal relationships. It's like, man, like, like, I experienced this, I, I would also love to experience your world. And it, it, it becomes about letting go of power and actually becoming a, it, into a place where you have mutually a mutual divestment of power and control to actually be in a situation where I would say it actually opens up the world of possibility. And that, and, and when we, you know, and, and you know, we, our favorite philosopher, John Caputo is like, you know, potential and possibility. Um, it's, 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 a, it's a ballistic missile. It, it could be for good, but it could also be for harm. But letting go of control in that situation, like, you know, also it opened up, like what we see in this story, we actually see it open up. Like on one side, it opened up a can of worms that maybe Jesus didn't, wasn't quite ready to open up when it, when it you know, with the Pharisees and things like that. Um, it opened up some, a different relationship with him because obviously prior to that, like they wouldn't show up and say, and try to warn him if they didn't think that he was one of them at some point. You, you, mm -hmm. you know you know what I mean so like like that reciprocal relationship that letting go of power um mm -hmm. and opening them and opening Jesus and the, and the Levi up to, to new possibilities it, it came with like there was beautiful potential that showed up but there was also negative potential that showed up and I think we need to be aware of that, that when we step into this like notion of reciprocal relationships and being present at the table and being present with the disenfranchised it's not all roses at the end of the day. Like there is the potential that shows up and it could be for good and it could also be for bad. But I think as we follow Jesus, we're not saying like Jesus, uh, well, like all of a sudden the, the gospel song, Jesus be a hedge all around me <laughs> popped up. But that's actually like, like that, like, as beautiful as that song actually is. And, and sometimes we, you know, we actually, we need to think of Jesus as, as protective. Um, but if we're going to follow Jesus into the wilds, we got to remember we're following Jesus into the wilds. The wilds is not a protected space. The Pharisees question why, why Jesus invested his time with sinners and shunned the holy people or sorry, and shunned holy people. In what ways are we more like the scribes and the Pharisees than Jesus? One, I don't really like identifying with the scribes and the Pharisees because even though historically they're the good guys, they always feel kind of icky in the text. But if we're being honest, that's probably where we fall in line with most of the time. And I know for myself, um, in what ways do I line up more scribes and Pharisees than Jesus? It's usually when I try closing the table or seeking control. So I'll enter into spaces and, the, and then start doing that thing. Um, like we all have that awkward relative 
who demands that we do the new historical thing, uh, which is praying before meals, which is, is a late addition to Christianity. And so even though most people at the table don't pray, they'll stop everyone from eating. Get the food out of your mouth. You stop. You stop. We're going to pray. And they're just really hoping we're in public space and you're not embarrassing. Um, that it's those kind of moments. And I have my own way of doing that. My own people that I embarrass, my own people I shut out. Those are what I'm usually siding with more the scribe and Pharisees and how I understand myself. Because I think I hold on to the right. I hold on to the exact. My way of understanding is the truest way. And so I will coercively push it on the people around me. You will live by my standard and my understanding rather than me sitting with you and it becoming a shared space. When I, when I think of this question, um, I, I, have to like un, I have to unpack the question a little bit. I have to unpack even the characters a little bit, right? Because like, as you said, like often we, when we read these texts, we see the Pharisees and the scribes and be like, oh man, they're kind of icky people, man. Like, <laughs> as you said, but they're actually the, they're actually the good guys. They're, they're actually the people who are, are, are historically, you know, they, they have tried to, to, to honor God the best that they can. Right. Um, and we have to remember that, that Levi is a tax collector. He is a collaborator with the Roman occupation of, of Israel. And so, I can't help but then like like I begin to start drawing different comparisons to other stories. Like, um, I don't I don't know if you watched uh the movie uh oh man, it's the one about Fred Hampton's uh the, the biopic about Fred Hampton, uh Judas and the Messiah. Um and in, in that in, in in that story, that narrative, and it, like this is this is a true story, is you have an FBI informant that infiltrates the Black Panther Party, who are the obvious good guys, right? Um, but where 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 the story with Jesus changes is that instead of instead of like instead it's like well hey FBI informant like we know you're an FBI informant and we still want to invite you to our Black Panther party you you know what I mean like that 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 is a switch up because for me I I I can identify with the, the like with Fred Hampton and Black Panther party and being like okay we are an oppressed people fighting for our liberation um, and now this collaborator like this is the guy you're gonna sit with. This is the guy, like the, the guy that the guy that is actively participating in our downfall. Like, yeah, it's like, man, you're freaking crazy. And 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 I think for me, I think when we unpack when we unpack the story and actually say let's let's assign the rightful um, icky levels to the different characters because Levi is actually the the bad guy in the story, right? Like as far as the Pharisees would understand it because he's collaborating with the occupation. Um, and Jesus says, you know what? I'm going to show up at that table anyways. I'm going to be present at that table. And when he shows up at that table, like they're, they're like, it wasn't with the expectation that Le like, it's like, I'm going to show up at that table only because Levi is going to change what Levi's like Levi does. It's like, I'm going to show up at that table. And when you create space and you hold space with other people, it creates the possibility for something different to take place. Like Levi could have walked away from that party and be like, Hey bro, thanks for showing up. But we also have Le like Levi or the math like Matthew in the different gospels, who is this radically transformed different person actually, who who actually then gives his life towards a different idea of liberation, liberation that 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 liberated the oppressed and the oppressor. You know what I mean? So, how do we show up like Jesus at the tables where others invite us to share space? Right, like we show up, we show up with hope. Uh, instead of fear we show up 
uh, with reciprocity instead of coercion. Like we show up with, we show up with a divestment of power versus an investment into it, right? Like I think like like all these different things are points that we pulled out as we've had this conversation, but I think that's how we show up because when other people, especially when other people invite us in, into their space, into their homes, into their into into their tables, um, like when you show up at somebody's house, you don't show up at the door and be like, you know what? I see that you guys take your shoes off, but forget y'all. I don't want to take my shoes off. You, 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 you take your shoes off. That's the house rule. You take your shoes off. When you show up to the table, you don't demand to be served first, but I guarantee if they're good hosts, they're going to offer you, offer you that, you know, you know what I mean? And so mm -hmm. when we show up, we allow the space to be the space and, and, and we allow the hospitality to be the hospitality without making demands of that space, without making demands of the hospitality. And I think that's what it means to show up like Jesus right like even even when you, you, we see other stories of, of jesus sit, like lounging and chilling and relaxing and we have this this notion of jesus is sitting back and allowing it like it's very passive he's allowing all these different things to happen around him and and then and then almost making commentary as they go along as other people are worried about different things you you, you know what i mean mm -hmm. um like you have the story of mary and martha um and it's like you're worried about a lot of things and, and i feel like it's a juxtaposition to being like look at me i'm just chilling be like me <laughs> well and you get a similar thing when um jesus is getting in his feet are anointed just before he's going to be um arrested and crucified and he's, he's sitting at a table with a tax collector who um however we heard his inner thoughts the narrative the narrator in i think it's luke knows it and said he thought to himself if this person was a prophet he would know who was touching his feet you mean pharisee not tax collector did I say tax collector? You said tax collector. Well, but, but fair, Pharisee. Pharisee yes. is the word that was in my head. But nevertheless, he said, if this if this man was a prophet, he would know what manner of woman touches him. Yeah. And so Jesus didn't even check that. And he, he said, oh, this, this woman's coming. I'm going to let her do her thing. Um, like you said, Mary and Martha, same thing. Levi's table, same thing. Um, Zacchaeus's table same thing he kind of shows up and like man i like what you guys are doing like, it's like i like what you've done with the place yeah Write me in. i like what you've done with the place <laughs> <laughs> is that armani let, let me come take a closer look yeah it's like the only, the only space that we saw jesus actually controlling the table was at the last supper when he said i need you guys to understand something you're here to serve the way people hold power in the gentile world the way people hold power actually even at Jerusalem um, for that scene, he's like, these ways of holding power will not exist. They will not be good. They will not produce life. And that's the only time that Jesus didn't come in and just say, I'm really enjoying what you guys are doing. When he wanted to yeah. make sure that the people who would lead the next chapter of his movement knew that the way they came in was like you said, divesting power, not being like the Pharisaic ones who could draw perfect lines, who are for most people, the hero of that time period, like the Pharisees and the scribes are the reason we have text. So these are good people making the right choices and the right moves. Jesus was the rebellious one. He was the one upsetting systems, making people uncomfortable. So when we hold space like Jesus, like you said, we have to hold space in such a way that those people who are creating space, those tables who are saying, come enjoy the food, receive this hospitality, we can go in and celebrate those people not go in and say, well, if you guys were just better, if, if I could make you more moral, then you'd be okay. Yeah. And 
in those moments, we'll get to experience a little bit of that grace. Yeah, uh, I think that's, that's really beautiful. And I think like just to kind of come to a time of conclusion to wrap up where we're going, um, I want to bring us back around to the David Fitch quote. I want to read it one more time. We live in a world that hungers for Eucharist, the sweet fellowship people experience in the presence of Christ. There are countless places where people gather to seek Eucharist, and yet it remains unfulfilled. We must seek out these places and go as guests. And, and the reason I wanted to read that quote one more time was I think you were really touching on that point of hospitality, receiving hospitality, being present in the way that Christ is present. Um, but also at the same time, like I think unpacking that quote just a little bit is if we understand ourselves as the body of Christ, then we also show up as the presence of Christ. And I would say that for too long, much of my experience of the church, we have showed up as antichrists instead of Christ to the table. Well, yeah, but you point to something very real. When trying to measure, because often we try to say, how do we hold space like Jesus? How do we be more like Jesus? Or if you come from within the Christian tradition, how do we become better Christians? And with what you just said, like there's a way of coming to the table that sounds right, that honors all the rules, but is very much antichrist because it kills generative space where other people can be involved. And by other people, I don't just mean um, like we do it by ourselves, like the, you know, onward Christian soldier kind of thing. It's just like, no matter what we do the work, but I mean, where you say the only kind of person who can be involved looks, sounds, and responds like me. And so we close down the potential to have people who do not see the world the way I do affect the way we voice and talk about the world. It becomes one dimensional flat. And unfortunately, the beauty of the world is in vivid color. So when, when we have this moment where we drain the color and life out of the image, because we say only one perspective can have it, then that's when we move like the Antichrist, the one who goes against Christ, where Jesus stepped into a world of life, color, and difference, and said this was good, and then celebrated experience and publicly stood with the wrong kind of people to say, no, no, you, you don't get it. Life is a little bit messy, and I'm at the table with this person. Yeah. Because that's what I think we always forget. These weren't private meals. When it said that Levi, he's going to throw a big banquet, and then it said he got all his friends. Levi made this a public spectacle and said, Jesus, you coming? And he's like, absolutely. Yeah. I'll come to the public spectacle so no one could deny that my presence is here. If we truly believe that, you know, the, like the, 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 the world hungers for Eucharist, and I, and I would say I truly believe that, um, and that we, then, we, then we have to also believe the second part of that phrase is that, that we must seek out these places and go as guests. We must actually show up as the Eucharist. We must kind of walk out that language that we use for our litany of we consume the broken body of Christ, becoming the broken body of Christ, present in a broken world. And all three of those things matter. There are going to be spaces where we are present to one another in that, in that consuming Christ place. 
There are going to be there are going to be spaces where we are learning what it means to become Christ in those spaces, and then there are going to be other spaces where we have to venture out into the world around us as good as good news, as um, good grace, as a good gift to the world around us. 